Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Tanner Mangum coming up here momentarily, former BYU quarterback, of course. And Tanner's going to join us uh, every Monday again this football season to give a breakdown on uh, what he saw over the weekend and specifically with BYU. And uh, I thought Tanner was great last year, Gordon. I'm glad to uh, to do this again this year. He was really, really good. Yeah, he knows a thing or two about uh, football, I'd say. Very familiar, obviously, with that program and with uh, many of the players that are still involved in it. Including Zach Wilson. Yes. So uh, he, it's going to be fun to talk to him uh, again this year, and we're certainly looking forward to that. And uh, I'm sure he's not going to uh, – uh, or I'm sure he's going to like talking about uh, these types of wins uh, this year as opposed to games like Toledo last year, which were not the easiest to uh, to break down. Uh, in fact, let's uh, let's do it. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Former BYU quarterback with us once again, Tanner Mangum. What's going on, Tanner? What's up, guys? How we doing? Doing well? Uh, we're doing well, except for i got to start this by asking Tanner a question. He's young. He's younger than either one of you two, uh, but he's a knowledgeable guy. Let me ask him if he has ever heard the name Greta Garbo before. Greta Garbo. Why does that yeah. sound really familiar? She because was a she famous was, politician back in uh, no, in Franklin she, Roosevelt's uh, no, cabinet. She, she was a famous actress. Uh, who's, uh, let's see, let's see. What was her famous movie? I know the name. I've heard it. Not a chance. Not a chance. But, but, but like way back, way back in like the 40s, 30s, 40s, right? Right. Yeah. No, 20s, yeah. 30s. Yeah. But at least he okay. has some. He may. It may not be right on the tip of his tongue. But at least he's yeah. heard of her. And and it she rings was a bell. It rings a bell. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's close. Yeah. Do you feel better? <laughs> do you think? I are you like accused? Are you accusing Tanner of lying? Yes. No, no, no. Oh. I'm just, I, I'm. He, he didn't really in, endorse the like. Oh yeah, Greta Garbo. You said, said who's I, Greta Garbo? And he or, said, I think he I heard said, that I don't name know. Once. And you said she's an actress. And then he said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah, you, you told got, him. You yeah, didn't tell him. But I told you guys, and you still had no clue. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry, Tanner, that you got caught up in the middle of this today. Oh, it really right. is a. <laughs> it's, <all good. laughs> it's really a ridiculous discussion. I'm, I'm a we're, we're, movie. A cinema buff, but I, I knew the name uh, sounded familiar, but I didn't didn't know the uh, exact reference. The reason we the reason I brought that up in the first place was because Tom Homo hadn't spoken for a long time, and uh, he was on the show with uh, PK DJ and PK this morning, and so I made the reference that Homo speaks, that Greta Garbo speaks. That was. Fame. She was famous for staying quiet and never speaking. <laughs> and Tanner wouldn't have gotten so, that either. And so I brought up the Garbo uh, analogy, and, and these guys had no clue who she was. So She's older I mean, than I, kerosene, Tanner. It's no, not a... but, but I'm glad to know that Tanner at least 
Hey, you know, once I reminded him, he, he knew who she was. I would not have got that reference, but I did remember the name, but it would not have got that. So you guys are not alone. All right. Uh, Tanner, I should have tipped you off beforehand. But anyway, he, you know, you guys were like, who? What? I never, you know. Oh, All right. man. All right. Let's talk a little football, uh, Tanner. And just kind of we'll, we'll start with the big picture. What have you thought or what did you think this weekend about BYU and their real domination over Troy? Man, I think the one thing that is just killing me right now is I wish I could see this BYU team against its normal schedule. I would love to see how BYU stacks stacks up against Utah, uh, Michigan State, Arizona State, uh, Boise State. It, it's 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 schedule that I had at the beginning of the year was looking obviously very daunting, but the way that they're looking right now, they're they're sharp, they're in rhythm, their defense is is stout and overall they're, they're clicking in all cylinders of the game. I mean, even though their special teams hasn't been used that much because it uh, hasn't been needed, it's all three aspects of the team are, are, are clicking on all cylinders. And so it's, it's a, I think it's a, it's a tribute to this coaching staff and these players now who most of them are, you know, when I was a senior in 2018, they were, they were, uh, Underclassmen, and now that most of them are upperclassmen, they've got three years now with with this coaching with with Coach Grimes, Coach Roderick, um, you know, more experience now with Coach Tuiaki on the defensive side, and and things are going. And so I wish, I really wish, I could see this team against its uh, normal schedule. It'd be it'd be fun to watch. Speaking of fun, how fun would it be, Tanner, to play quarterback behind that offensive line, as you just mentioned, just formidable up front, and Zach Wilson looks about as comfortable as a kid could be? No, I'm, I'm happy to see Zach playing so confidently, and you can just tell the way, the way he is uh, is managing the game out there. He just he looks cool, calm, collected, poised. And this is what I expected from him. He's in his third year now, and this is this is where he should be. He should be at this point now where he's he's got this offense down. He 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 knows what he's doing. Every the, the game is slowing down for him, and then up front as well. I mean, they're just dominating. And and like I said before, these guys were all there when I was finishing up in 2018. They were just kind of getting their start, and now they're just they're older. They're stronger. They're bigger. They're they're more knowledgeable, uh, and, and they're making their presence known. And that's a lot of fun. When you can play with that type of confidence and with that type of poise and when you can go out and just execute the way that they're executing, uh, that, you know, that, that's, that's a lot of fun. And I think something that's big to, to mention is that I think there, there are still some points being left on the field. Uh, both, both games, while they've won in dominant fashion, I think there have been uh, their, their third down efficiency hasn't been – uh, where they want it to be. I know that's something that they're covering uh, in their in their their Monday recaps as they talk about things to learn from. While they've been mostly positive, I think there's a, there are opportunities to be even sharper on third downs and um, to to put put up even more points. But overall, really sharp and and again, a lot of credit goes to this coaching staff and to these players uh, for for just getting more comfortable, kind of getting finally getting into a rhythm. I think it's taken a couple of years, but, uh, um, you know, we're, we're seeing the results of, of their hard work payoff so far. 
Tanner Mangum is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Tanner, my uh, co-host Gene Siskel, uh, referred to <laughs> Tom Homo coming on the station today. And Tom talked about uh, possibly adding a game down the line in December. And John Hartwell, the AD at Utah State, actually talked about he's hearing that that could be BYU and Boise State. If they could pull that off, then BYU could play the Broncos this year at least. How far would that go to giving this Cougar team a test that might might uh, satisfy some fans? Oh, I think it would be amazing. Because not only is that uh, a rivalry, a game with a lot of history between the two programs, but it's 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 a it'd be a great test to see where BYU stands. Uh, I, I think right now the more games that BYU can schedule, the better because they're going to need all the help they can get as a, when it comes to strength of schedule and rankings because despite these uh, two weeks now, to, to these two blowout wins, people are always just going to say, well, look at who they're playing, look at their schedule. And so if you can get a team like Boise State on a schedule and then BYU can go and, and, uh, and farewell, then, then that adds more credibility to their, to their success. That adds more credibility to, to where they are uh, as, as a program. And especially at the end of the year, that could be a great way to make a, a statement at the end of the season to the voters, to the, uh, you know, the different committees and, and things, th- things of that nature. Because it, obviously it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, to, based on this schedule that, that BYU currently has, it's going to be tough to surpass a team from the SEC or the ACC or the big, even the Big 12. So, you know, they need all the help they can get. But right now, they're controlling what they, what they can control, blowing out the teams that they're playing. But, uh, you know, if they can if they can have this type of success against a team like Boise, uh, that would go a long way in, in uh, building their case. Seems like there's two sides to that equation, Tanner. On the one hand, you're playing lesser talent. Uh, on the other hand, you have to get yourself up to play at your peak against those kinds of teams. How difficult is it to do that? Not really. Uh, it, when, you, when you're playing, you don't you don't care. I mean, obviously there are there are big games where you know it's a it's a big opponent, uh, where you know it's it's on national TV, or you know where you know this is a a massive moment. But at the same time, when you're young and you're playing, you're just competitive and you want to go beat anyone that that is stepping on the field. Doesn't work, doesn't matter who it is, because you you want to show what you're capable of, both as an individual and and as a team. And so whether it's, you know, a, a lesser team or a team with lesser talent or it's a, a big-time, highly-ranked team, you, you come out with, with, with energy, with enthusiasm, ready to go. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember when we played uh, Wagner my freshman year in 2015, you know, we obviously knew they were a lesser team with lesser talent, but that didn't stop us from going out and just and – just, dominating and going out and, and uh, bringing, bringing that energy and bringing that passion. Same thing when we played Wisconsin my senior year uh, when they were, they were ranked sixth at the time and we went on the road. You know, you come out with that same excitement, that same drive, and that same desire to just go out and execute. So, you know, and this, this team, especially with the way that they're playing, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. You know, this is a, uh, a team that's largely underperformed uh, most most of these players careers and so now a lot of them are upperclassmen and they want to go out and show what you know what they can do they, they want to show um you know that the way that they've improved and this coaching staff is also is is fighting to to uh, show their improvements because you know that 
they've been on on hot seats and you know, there's been a lot of uh, you know negative talk on BYU the last several years and and uh, so they, they, they want to come out regardless of who they're playing and and um, and, and show the uh, the improvements that they're making. Tanner Mangum with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, with, you know, BYU's getting a lot of attention as, as well as their play. And how much uh, money do you think Kairos Tonga is making for himself? <laughs> Man, I mean, ever since I was playing with Kairos, I knew he was a, he was a special talent. He, when, I mean, when he's on, he's on. He's, he's an incredible player, an incredible athlete. For, for, for someone his size to be, able to, to be able to be able to move like he does, uh, it's it's not an easy feat, and I don't think people realize how big he is until you stand next to him, or when you are lined up across from him. When 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 I'm under center and he's right in front of me, and and I see the havoc that he's wreaking on the offensive lines, uh, it, it just shows how big of a force that he is. So I'm very happy to see him uh, just continue to improve because he's definitely got potential. I mean, you heard Coach Tuiaki mention he. he you can see him playing at the next level, and I agree with that. And so if he continues on this path, continues to uh, to dominate like he is, he's going to make a good case for himself to be uh, playing on Sundays in the future. Put yourself, put yourself in the position of that Troy quarterback when he uh, on that one play when he drops back to throw. And, and for whatever reason, nobody blocked Tonga. I mean, all of a sudden you got 300, what, 330 pounds coming straight at you? And he was moving, man. I was surprised at how fast he was moving. That would not, uh, that would be a nightmare, essentially. Uh, that's that's one where I know Coach Pugh over there at Troy is going to be giving his team a, uh, a stern talking to, especially <laughs> with Coach Pugh's offensive line uh, expertise and experience. You know that's 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 his thing, and he knows how to coach uh, offensive lines, and 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 and, uh, and he's a great up and coming coach as well. But I know he's going to be uh, upset uh, with that one because that that's just unfair for your quarterback to leave him out to dry like that, especially with a with a player like Kyra's coming after you. How hard is that for for a quarterback or even a running back too, for that matter? When the uh, an opponent defensive lineman is disrupting things so much, seemingly can't be stopped. That's got to be just nearly impossible to deal with as an offense. I mean, it's it's something that you have to deal with many you know week in week out almost. You kind of have to game plan and look at who okay who are this you know who are the stars who are the guys that we need to be worried about and, and it really does affect the game plan because all of a sudden it affects your pass protections uh you, you have to keep leave a running back in you have to leave the guys in to, to constantly be chipping or you have to have tight ends staying on max protection uh you know if you if, if you're worried about someone on that defensive front wreaking havoc then you know you, you have to lose a, a man or two in your uh in your route route combinations uh you have to dial up more uh three-step or quick game because you, you have to get the ball out of your hands quickly and so it, it can really affect uh, your game plan as an offense, and which is which which isn't fun when you're playing against it. But when you when you have a guy like that on your side, it's great because uh, you get to uh, you get to reap the benefits of having someone with of, of that uh, with that type of talent. But I think Kyrus is one of those guys now uh, where teams have to key on him. They have to leave leave a guy in to to make sure that he's taken care of or offensive uh, line. Schemes are going to have to change to be able to put two, sometimes three men on him, depending on the situation. 
Um, but it's he's he's definitely been an anchor on that defensive front for BYU, which is uh, what given up ten points now in two weeks and um, against against some teams that have potential to put up points. So it's it's good to see him um, dominating the way he is. Tanner, which is more which is more difficult uh, to go up against a, a defense that is bringing the house at you? or going up against a defense that's having three down linemen come at you and dropping eight guys back into coverage, which is a bigger uh, problem for a quarterback? <laughs> that, that all depends on your personnel and what, what, what type of uh, people you have in front of you. The worst is when uh, they can drop seven or eight, but then still create pressure with their defensive line. If you have a if you have solid defensive ends that can really pin their ears back and, and um, cause create pressure uh, on the edges while still leaving seven or eight men back defending them, I mean that's that's tough because you, you know it's the best of the both worlds for as a defense and the the worst is is when a team can um, you know and I would see this a lot when I was when I was playing is when a team can really man up go man coverage. Um, but then also dial up blitzes, knowing that they're secondary, superior to your receivers, to your receiving core. If they can man up and shut you down, but then they can blitz five or six, that's nearly impossible to get to get things going. Because you, one, you don't have time to to really let things develop non field, and then two, your your guys are getting um, you know getting shut down by by that by second by the secondary. So that being said, one thing I I'm seeing on the on BYU's side of the ball is that they're mixing coverages up a lot uh, on their defense. They're, they're doing a mix of um, three-man rush, drop eight, uh, mix different different run run blitzes, different blitz packages. Um, there's a lot of versatility that they're doing with both, with both Coach Tuiaki and Coach Itake with their defensive expertise and, and knowledge. You know, they're, they're mixing things up and making it hard to predict. And as an offense, that can be tough. When when the team kind of does things differently, when they don't just simply stick to one base package, when they can when they can mix it up, that makes it tough. Um, and so, it just depends on what uh what you have uh, at your at your disposal, uh, at your fingertips as an offense. But when it, when you can mix it up and bring pressure uh, from both from blitzes and just from different different schemes, then you're in good shape. Last thing uh, from me, Tanner. When uh, when you were playing football there at BYU, who was the best columnist to deal with? Brad Rock or Kirk Cragthorpe? Craig- <laughs> that's, that's a tough. You put me on the spot. That's tough. Um, I know. Maybe Dick Harmon. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I I can honestly say I didn't have any issues with the media while I was there. <laughs> I, I mean, really, I was. I mean, I did my best to to always. You know, I just I don't know. I, I understood that the media that they're they're doing their job. Sure, sometimes there are some questions that I can I can read through. I know they're trying to they're trying to get me to say something controversial, or they're looking for a headline, or they're looking to kind of angle it a certain way or spin it a certain way. But overall, I'm Gordon Monson. <laughs> You know, Tanner, Tanner, of all of all your, I'm telling you right now, that was the worst answer you've given this whole interview. (laughs) But he's right, though, Gordon, because I did try and trap him into something there. That did. That did. I worked at the L.A. Times. I can read the traps, but I'm, but I'm smart enough to stay out. Yeah, well, you, this one you should have probably dove right in. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, but anyway, ignore my friend uh, Jake Scott. He's just creating trouble. <laughs> I, don't you, don't you, I really dislike troublemakers like that. They, you know, they're just sort of a pain in everybody's rear end. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I was just having a little fun, and then things get personal. Well, that's that's all right. It's it's fine. No. Uh, well, on that note, maybe maybe we'll, we'll you know the first time I interviewed, I teased Tanner about this. First time I I uh, interviewed him, he kind of blew me off. You know, it's kind of like yeah, whatever. You know. But so that's is uh, that's that true. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, well, I do too. Sense. Well, no, Tanner, you are great, and we love it that uh, that you're willing to come on the show with us. We we really appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on and breaking this one down, and thanks for letting me tease both you and Gordon. <laughs> no, of course, anytime, All anytime. Right. Next time, next time, you better know who Greta Garbo is. You know, work <laughs> on that. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna just study up on my uh, Swedish. Uh, actors from the 1930s. Your well, ancient, was, your ancient was, history, you could say. Well, this, it's all right. This is what's weird about Tanner. Tanner is like Mr. Uh, uh, Jeopardy. I mean, he, he knows all that trivia. So uh, I'm a little... It could have been better. But anyway, True. thanks, Tanner. Uh, i, I got to study up on that category. Do you say <laughs> trivia or trivial? I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Tanner. We appreciate you. All right, there you go. That's our buddy Tanner Mangum jumping on with us, and uh, he—he, he, uh, you know what I like about Tanner uh, Gordon? He—he uh, he plays along with us pretty well. It's fun. I'll tell you I, what he said about BYU's defense right now. I think that would be challenging for quarterbacks uh, of whatever. You know, I don't know how it would go if the Cougars were playing. You know, Oklahoma or somebody like that. Uh, although, yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma just lost. Yeah. But uh, for a quarterback, it, what he said there is really right on the money, and this is why it's good to have him on because if if you're mixing up coverage, and you, but on the other night when when BYU's bringing three guys and they're still causing you all kinds of problems in the backfield. Uh, what's a quarterback supposed to do at that point? Yeah, it makes it tough, no doubt. Yeah, because there's, there's eight guys back there covering everybody. Who, where are you going to go with the ball? Um, To the ground? The guy, the coach? Throw it away? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably. Uh, joining, uh, joining us next, we're going to talk to uh, Keon Myers. Uh, he's our Raiders insider. We're going to talk a little silver and black coming up right around the corner, so stay tuned for that. But let's jump out of the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. That's S-Y-R-I-N-G-A Networks. Uh, and Gabe, uh, we're all kind of trying to figure out our way through this COVID-19 situation, and it certainly is changing the way a lot of people work, specifically from home. Talk about how Syringa helps businesses uh, adapt to this kind of new world. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so we, we certainly have a whole host of telecommunications products that, and services that allow uh, and then really enable businesses to have these remote workforces. We offer um, state-of-the-art internet access delivered over a fiber optic network. We offer uh, other collaboration services like Microsoft Teams and um, other voice services as well that allow for remote workers to kind of look and feel as if they're in the office uh, with, with everybody else. So uh, we certainly have uh, solutions and we have uh, engineers and uh, other folks on staff that can help consult and coach businesses on how to best deploy those uh, types of services today. And that's a big deal, right? That that hands-on service that you guys at Syringa can do to help these companies or these businesses adapt when, you know, that can be difficult for folks out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, having access to uh, the local people and to uh, trained engineers and technicians uh, that can help resolve issues quickly or 
help kind of map out a strategy as to how a business wants to go about deploying this, this sort of arrangement is, is key. And so being able to, to talk to people who live in the area, who, who work in the area as well, who kind of know what's going on, uh, we believe it is a, it's, it's a great thing for the, uh, for the business community in Utah. All right, check them out at syringanetworks.net. That's S-Y-R-I-N-G-A, syringanetworks.net. Find out what they can do for you. We appreciate you, Gabe. Thanks. Thank you, guys. All right, we're talking to uh, Keont Myers coming up next, talking a little bit about the Las Vegas Raiders on your home of the Raiders, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Just win, baby. win the opener as the Las Vegas Raiders 34 to 30. The Raiders are victorious in their first ever game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So Rex Burkhead with a hat trick for the Patriots who pull away over the Raiders 36 to 20. All right, it's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Of course, uh, the NFL is back. And here on the Zone Sports Network, we are your new home of the Las Vegas Raiders. And we thought we'd uh, do some uh, special uh, Raiders Insider segments uh, weekly here on the big show. And, in fact, let's uh, do one right now. Let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line, T-Mobile and Sprint, coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, he's on Las Vegas Radio, uh, a co-host of the Silver and Black Today radio show, also host of Locked on Raiders podcast. Joining us now, he is Keon Myers on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Keon, uh, appreciate a few moments of your time. How are you? Doing really well, man. Appreciate being on with you guys. Look forward to uh, this conversation on the regular if we can do it. Absolutely. Um, want to start here. Uh, I personally am excited that the Raiders are in, in Las Vegas. It's a market that uh, is very similar to Salt Lake in a lot of ways. Uh, it's close, kind of the next closest uh, big city to us. Most of our uh, uh, the, our listeners uh, find their way down to La- Las Vegas on the reg, and I think there's a lot of excitement here in Salt Lake. I can only imagine how it is in Las Vegas. Is that uh, community just uh, going nuts to have an NFL team? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, that community has been going uh, nuts for quite a while now, for a few seasons, you know, just in anticipation of the Raiders uh, arriving there in Vegas and, and having the facility there in Henderson. It's really been amazing, man, just to see the, the fan base come together and grow so quickly. And you remember when the Vegas Golden Knights took a, took on Las Vegas and they were actually a, a really good team and went to the Stanley Cup, Cup Finals, how much that city embraced that team. Well, they're anticipating the Raiders being a really, really good team as well. But just to have an NFL team of their own is something really, really special. It's different when you're a sports market and, and then you're all of a sudden you're a football sports market. It's a totally different ball game. And so, yeah, Las Vegas is very excited to have the Raiders. Describe for our listeners a little bit about Allegiant, because that place looks like a castle. Absolutely, and I would love to to get my my hands and and my body in there and and check it out firsthand. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet, but it it does look amazing. And from everything that I've heard, uh, everything is state-of-the-art. It's the best of the best. You know, it's got uh, some great uh, respects to, to Raiders of past. It's got some great respects to the city of Las Vegas. 
I mean, the, the look from the outside, it's all black. Of course, the inside, the seats are all black. And, you know, that just represents the Raiders. Of course, the, the Al Davis torches there and, and how awesome that is. And having Carol Davis, the, the, the widow of Al Davis, light it for the first time when they played the Saints, that was pretty special as well. Uh, just it, it, it's next level, you know, and you go from being in Oakland, California at the Coliseum, which I loved, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, I love that place just because so many great memories happened there, but it was time for an upgrade. And so when they upgraded, they didn't just go for a, uh, you know, they didn't go from like a, 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 a stock vehicle. They went to a luxury vehicle overnight, and uh, it was well worth the wait. It's awesome, and I'm just excited for the Raiders to make some, uh, some great new memories there at Allegiant Stadium. You know, the Raiders have so many fans in Los Angeles because of their history there. In fact, you can make a really good argument they are the most popular team in Los Angeles, even though they're not located yep. there. Uh, are you? Would you anticipate? I mean, um, you know, we talked about fans coming down from Salt Lake, but i got to imagine there are a lot of fans from L.A. that will be making that trip a lot, too. Yeah, no, there is. Uh, that's, a, that's a great assumption right there, and there are. There are a ton of fans from L.A. making their way to Las Vegas. It does not take very long to get there. Uh, I remember on the opening night at, at Allegiant Stadium, that Monday night football game versus the Saints, myself and Scott Gobranson, we were on the show, and we had people calling us in and saying, hey, man, you know, I've been here in, in Vegas since Saturday. You know, and, and that's the thing. That's what's going to attract people. They not only want to be there for the game, whether it be on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever day it is, they say, you know what, might as well take in the whole weekend. You know, Vegas is a place where we can go hang out for the weekend and then go back home and get back to work and do whatever. So there was a lot of L.A. fans. There's a lot of Bay Area fans that are making their way to, to uh, Vegas as well. So uh, Raider Nation is worldwide. Uh, you know, people are going to come from far and wide to, to enjoy Allegiant Stadium, see their favorite team. And for that matter, there's going to be uh, fans of, of teams that aren't the Raiders that are going to go make their way there just to see, you know, see that stadium and, and check it out and be in Vegas. I mean, it's really, it's an ideal situation. The Raiders are, I like to call them a big fish in a smaller pond, even though Vegas has a lot going on. It's not the Bay Area where there's a lot of different teams, professional teams you're competing with. I mean, you, you basically, you're, you're, you're it. You know, you're the big fish in, in that pond. And so uh, it's, it's really a great opportunity for the Silver and Black to make some noise in, uh, in Las Vegas. So the Raiders had some success early on, and then uh, yesterday didn't go their way. Uh, what happened in that second half that uh, seemed to uh, enable the Patriots to take care of their business? Well, of course, the great Bill Belichick and company, they're going to make adjustments, and, and they made adjustments at halftime. They, they realized what the Raiders were doing well defensively and said we're going to go ahead and, and take advantage and exploit that, and they did. And on top of that, the Raiders' defense just was gassed. I mean, they did really well in the first half, and the offense, which had been good the first two games of the season, coming up with 34 points in each game, one against Carolina and one against the Saints on Monday night, it just wasn't clicking. It wasn't clicking. It wasn't uh, complementing the, the defense very well at all. If they had gotten out to a really good start offensively, they were talking about a different ball game today, but they didn't. You know, you got to give a lot of credit to the Patriots defense for standing up and not allowing them to get loose, not allowing Darren Waller to get loose. Josh Jacobs had a good game statistically, but never was able to really uh, get going the way he'd like to get going and the way that the Raiders want to get going. So they, they just couldn't get it done offensively. I think you saw glimpses of what the defense can look like, but they haven't been able to sustain out a whole course of a game yet. They did well in the first half, second half not so much, and, and that's when the Patriots really just took off and gashed them off by way of the ground. Uh, obviously, Rex Burkhead had a huge game, but really anyone who carried the ball, at some point I probably could have carried the ball against the Raiders and picked up <laughs> a few yards just because they were so gassed defensively. 
How sold do you think Gruden is on Derek Carr? He's played okay so far. I mean, certainly no interceptions, six touchdowns through three games is, is not bad. But how sold do you think he is on him? Yeah, I, I think he's all the way sold on him. I, I really do. And I know this is a conversation that we've had for years now, ever since Gruden's been back, ever since coming back in 2018. Everyone said they would never get along. And I'm sure he gets frustrated with Carr at times. And I know there's things he wants Carr to do better, but – Look, he's been back since 2018. If he wanted to move on from Derek Carr, he probably would have already done so, or else he would have drafted a guy to take the place of Derek Carr. I know they brought in Marcus Mariota, gave him some big-time money to be the backup. That hasn't panned out because he's still on IR, but I I don't see Derek Carr being on the way out. He's the best guy to run John Gruden's offense right now. Now, I'm not saying that he can't be upgraded, uh, but he's the best guy for the success of the team right now. So I I think that he's sold on them. Uh, I just think that uh, right now, you know, there's there's areas that need to be addressed. There's there's players that need to get caught up to speed. A lot of young guys uh, that are playmakers that, are, well, aren't even out there now. Henry Ruggs is injured. Brian Edwards is injured. Those are some concerns. Darren Waller's a big-time player, like I mentioned earlier. Josh Jacobs, of course. Uh, I, I think Derek Carr can get it done. Uh, but, you know, everyone looks across the league and sees the dynamic guys, the elite quarterbacks, and wants to have one. But th- there's not a tree called elite quarterbacks that they're just growing on. I mean, you just – Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. You just got to get one when you can. What's the effect of it? What's the future look like for Devontae Booker? Obviously, our listeners are familiar Uh with him from his days at Utah. He had uh, 31 yards on just three carries yesterday, the long 23. Is there there room for him in that offense and for him to get more carries, do you think? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I do. And I didn't think that when they they uh, they acquired him by way of free agency, I thought he was going to be a camp body. Maybe he might crack the 53-man roster. I was really pounding the table for a bigger back, a stronger back, someone who can complement Josh Jacobs really well. But to Devontae Booker's credit, that has been him. You know, every time he's got an opportunity to get into the game, he's done some really good things on the ground or catching the ball. You know, he's He's been a nice piece to the, the Raiders' offense. And like I said, a nice compliment to Josh Jacobs, who is banged up. You know, he's a guy that's dealing with a hip injury. So I, I say that Devontae Booker could get more carries if the Raiders try to make sure that they take care of Josh Jacobs a little bit more. These are two guys that can be explosive when they're out there on the field. But, uh, guys, I'll tell you, I've liked what I've seen so far from Devontae Booker, and it wasn't surprising to me. I don't mind coming out saying I was wrong. I was, I was wrong about him. I, I didn't think he was going to provide very much just because of – his last couple of years in Denver, but uh, he's been refreshing to see out there on the field for the silver and black. So I think he has some uh, he has some good good run left in him uh, with with the Raiders. I think he, I think you'll see him quite a bit moving forward. You mentioned Jacobs being banged up. It, it seems like the NFL in general is dealing with a lot of injury issues, but certainly the Raiders are. Are, are they going to have the depth to to have the type of season that they want? That's a great question. You know, I mean, it really is. Trent Brown, their big-time right tackle that they gave a ton of money to, he's played three snaps so far in 2020. Three snaps, not three games, three snaps. You know, that's, that's a major hit. Uh, Henry Ruggs, I mentioned he's out. Uh, Brian Edwards, he might be out. I mean, there's, there's guys that are just banged up. Nick Wachowski, they gave him a lot of money to be the middle linebacker of the general of that defense. He's out. You know, he's got a pectoral injury. Who knows when he's coming back? There are so many guys battered and bruised right now. you got to really be a good – when, as far as the G, GM goes, you got to be a good guy with the Rolodex. you got to have guys that you can call and, and bring them in and know what they can do uh, in order to have that depth. And, and I don't know if the Raiders have it right now. Obviously, competing in the AFC West is very difficult with the Kansas City Chiefs there. You know they're going to be the cream of the crop, and they have a lot of skilled players. They have a lot of really good players. So 
Uh, that, that's going to be the biggest thing is the Raiders trying to get as many guys healthy as possible, get them back out there as soon as possible because they're going to need them. they got a tough one coming up this week against Buffalo, and then they go uh, right before the bye week. They have Kansas City on the road in Kansas City, and then they hit the bye week. So the next couple games are going to be just as tough as the first three games were. Hate to keep hitting you with the local angle, but uh, Nevin Lawson on that team, uh, obviously from yep. Utah State, at cornerback. Uh, he's a veteran now. How uh, what, Does he have any effect on that team? Yeah, you know, and, and it's so funny, and I, I'm not trying to dog the guys from Utah or Utah State, but Nevin Lawson was another guy that I was surprised was going to stick around. He was uh, suspended last before last season. He was suspended four games. Uh, John Gruden kept him around. You know, he likes his versatility there at the defensive back position. This year he was suspended the first game because of a little, not a scrum, but a little dust-up he got in uh, the final week of the season against Denver. So he was suspended the first game of that, and they kept him around as well. So uh, we were talking about depth in the last question. That's what, that's who he is. He's a guy that, especially with, uh, you know, Damon Arnett out there, he's nursing an injury, a, a hand, a wrist injury. He's, a, he's nursing that. Uh, Nevin Lawson's been a guy that, that Paul Gunther's been able to go to and say, hey, we need you in the game. And boom, he just goes in there. And like you said, he's a veteran, so he knows what he's doing. He's, he's not a guy that's going to be a superstar. He's not a guy that's going to be, you know, the long-term answer at defensive back for the Raiders. But he's a good quality piece and, and quality depth right there where he can go in there in a pinch and, uh, and, and fill that void. And, and if one of those guys is out, he can step in and be a, a starter. And like I said, he's got the versatility to play multiple different positions. So, yeah, uh, it's funny, man. John Gruden uh, likes Nevin Lawson a lot. Paul Gunther likes him a lot. He's, he's going to stick around the roster as well. He is the co-host of the Silver and Black Today radio show in Las Vegas, also host of Locked on Raiders podcast. He is Keon Myers with us here on the big show. And, Keon, we can't thank you enough for jumping on with us. Thanks for a little perspective, and we look forward to catching up with you again. Absolutely, man. Anytime you guys call, I'll be ready. I appreciate you. Awesome. That was great. Thank you very much. All right, there you go. Keon Myers giving us a little insight into uh, into the Raiders. And they're a really interesting team this year, Gordon. You mentioned they won their first couple of games to beat the Saints. Tough game uh, against the Patriots, and they really do have some injury issues. But uh, I love having an NFL franchise in Vegas. I think it's uh, I, I think it's cool. I think a lot of people are going to jump on that bandwagon here in Salt Lake, including me. I, I would love to go see a game down there. I, I absolutely see that in, in my future when we're able to go to games again. Yeah, that's why we want Keon on with us, so he can uh, inform people, get them familiar with the team. Obviously, the Lloyd Coles of the world know all about every aspect of the team, but there are many probably new uh, Raider fans or or fans here that are potential Raider fans who want to get to know the team a little bit. I thought that was interesting what he said, that they wore out. You know, they were in that game. It was 13-10 at the half. And then uh, the uh, the Patriots, the Patriots had a lot of success in the second and third quarter, and then in the fourth, the 13 points in the fourth quarter to win 36 to 20. But your defense can't be wearing out. Yeah, yeah. Well, the injuries have been a big issue. I mean, if you look yeah, through that yeah. injury report, in fact, uh, I listened to a little bit of the post game here on the Zone Sports Network with your guy, JT the Brick. And uh, that was really the big story of the post game is that they're just moving guys all around and they've got third stringers in there that are that are yeah. having issues. So, and that's one thing with the NFL this year. We've seen injuries certainly have an impact. Yes. So, uh, I think no that's going to be a theme of the year is how do you how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe at some time along the way we'll ask our listeners whether they're edging toward the the Raiders. 
a lot of our listeners do have a favorite team out there that they've followed for quite some time. I wonder if there is sort of a an idea to uh, a persuasion to to move toward the silver and black. You know why I'm feeling that kind of persuasion, Gordon? Because they're not the Broncos. <laughs> okay. Any team in the uh, NFL could have moved to Vegas and I'd jump on the bandwagon because they weren't the Broncos. Well, I can pretty much guarantee you that the Raiders are going to be better than the Broncos this year. <laughs> let's hope so. And by the way, let's let's get some tweets going David James' way. Just tell DJ that we don't want to see the Broncos anymore. Yeah, why does he keep scheduling I don't them? know why he keeps picking the Dern Broncos, but can we can we get some heat Have going some DJ's way? Have some creativity, David. Come on, man. Anybody else but the Broncos, DJ? <laughs> what are you doing? No, Programming you Channel do, 2 over there. You, you do know that he... Uh, he, he personally not. selects them. Yes, I know. I've known it's on his years. business card. It is. In fact, call the newsroom <laughs> over there and complain specifically about David James. Why well, we call him Denver Dave? Selecting the Broncos. So is that why uh, Scotty ha- is ha- Scotty is having influence on DJ? Yeah. And Scotty's favorite team is the Broncos. Although I, what happens when your favorite team sucks? Do you oh, I now, can take this one. No, don't go do down you hate the, Do you hate the team more than you love it? No, you stay on the bandwagon, though. We know you'd switch on over to the Chiefs, but you, I think most fans would, would stick with their team. Uh, my team just fired the, the GM again, so we'll see how this goes. Did the Titans really fire no, the, the Oh, the, the Angels. Angels. Oh, I did see that news uh, today. Well, when you're underperforming like that. Wow. You've got the the best player in 100 years, best baseball player in 100 years, and you still stink. Let's pay Albert Pujols $900 million a day. Great idea. Indeed. All right, stay tuned. More Big Show coming up, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Drop of the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips. And uh, Gordon, I stumbled across this one today. We've uh, we've had a lot of fun on this show uh, teasing uh, reporters and such who can't figure out Zoom on these Zoom press conferences. Yeah. In fact, uh-huh. I think we've had three or four of PK alone uh, struggling to, to figure things out. This This one might be my favorite so far. All right. All right. Uh, this one is uh, Jay King. He writes for The Athletic. He was on the post-game Zoom press conference with Brad Stevens uh, after Boston was eliminated by Miami. And this is what happened. Final question for Coach Jay King. Go ahead, Jay. Got to hit the mute button, Jay. <laughs> All right. I'll disable once and allow one more time. Jake? Sorry, can you hear me now? Brandon, was that you that disabled Jay's question? No, I I did everything right, for the record. I (laughs) That was a pretty good move. All right, Jay, I guess we'll let you ask a question. (laughs) Or maybe not. (laughs) Brandon. What the (laughs) There you go. We can hear you now, Jay. (laughs) Was that the question you had for me? Was that the question you had for me? <laughs> Brad Stevens pretty funny right there. Was that the question you had for me? What the f- <laughs> There you go. We can hear you now, Jen. Was that the question you had for me? 
You ever have you ever had that where uh, this has happened to me because my phone breaks up all the time for some reason where I'll be yelling at my phone and it'll all of a sudden come back in. <laughs> the all the other person on the other line hears is what the bleep? Come on! <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the question for Brad Stevens right there. Stevens, is that what the? Uh, yes, a uh, question in the back. Uh, Jay King, go ahead. What the? F- <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to answer that, Jay? Man, that sounds like Brad Stevens would answer that question with a question. To put it simply, Coach. What the? (laughs) (laughs) What happened out there? Oh man! Hey, you know what? Uh, Just real quick, while we're on it, we didn't touch on this after Mannix. Uh, Did you uh, did you catch that where he was talking about how he doesn't think Gordon Hayward is necessarily happy in Boston? Well, he when I watch him on the court, he looks kind of. Not only does he look uh, 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 sort of substandard, he looks lost. He looks he looks like he's alone. Uh, there's something wrong there. I don't know what it is, but that's not that was what Gordon Hayward was as a rookie. It's not what he was after a few years here in Utah, where he knew he was important to his team and played like it. But what I'm watching now, there's something wrong. And I think he is alone. I, I think I don't know if he's a loner just by nature or what, but he does not look like he's a part of what's going on. Well, he, he went over there for two reasons. One, Brad Stevens, who's still there, but also Kyrie, he's who gone. up and left as soon as he possibly well, could. And Gordon was a loner here. He was, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure he had friends on the team um, and, and was friendly with teammates, but he was not. He was not a, the warmest person in the world. And uh, I'm sure his teammates look at him and go, dude, you're making 30 million bucks. Where well, are uh, you? You know, yeah. where are you? Yeah. You're our max guy. Where are you at? You're the, the fifth option on the team now. It looks like he's in San Bernardino to me. But he uh, there, there's something wrong there. And I, I think it goes beyond his it goes beyond his injury. It goes beyond his level of play. I think there's something else. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see him elsewhere. All right, let's jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. And Gabe, this is kind of a new world with COVID-19 changing the way business is, is done and kind of having companies rethink the way they have their employees do their work, including a lot of working from home. And that's right up your alley at Syringa Networks, I'm sure. Yes, that, that is correct. That's one of the, the the things that we offer is a consultation for IT and Internet uh, connectivity type of uh, arrangements for companies that are looking to deploy a remote workforce, whether it's what kind of Internet they should get or how, what kind of level of security they require. Um, you know, those types of things are are the things that we specialize in helping businesses be able to do at this point in time. And the great part about it is, Gabe, you guys are here local and you have tech support that's 24-7, 365 days a year, meaning with those those things that you're talking about, you guys are here to help businesses all the way through. Yeah, that, that's correct. Through every step of the process, from the from the very first time you make contact with us to um, you know the, the entire life, the life cycle that you're with us, we have... Uh, we're, we're there for you, 7 by 24 by 365, whether it's when you're initially working with your sales folks or as you mature with us and have other services, uh, we're always available to to contact. All right, syringanetworks.net is uh, where you go to find out what they can do for you. That's S-Y-R-I-N-G-A, networks.net, syringanetworks.net. And, Gabe, we want to thank you for jumping on with us today. You're always one of our favorites. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys so much. Thanks, Gabe. 
That's our friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. Again, that uh, address, syringanetworks.net. Jump on, find out how they can help you better your business, syringanetworks.net. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrap it up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Another Monday comes and goes. Gordo and, man, talked a lot of college football today. Talked to NBA Finals today. I know we didn't get to uh, to baseball playoffs, obviously, but uh, those are starting up. Like, it's – it's we, we kind of predicted this a little bit back in the summer that we may – uh, you know, have a smorgasbord of sports come the fall, but that's exactly what we're getting right now. It's hot. It's awesome. Yeah, didn't I read somewhere where the uh, French Open is going to start up here pretty quick? I think it's already started, right? Serena won has in, it in straight sets today. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and and okay. Stanley Cup Finals. Let's not forget about that. I watched a little of that game the other day where uh, where Dallas was able to hold on. And, you know, Austin has said this many times. Playoff hockey is really fun to watch. I'm trying to – let me see if I can Google the story here. Did you see the story – ah, here it is – that uh, some neighbors – and I'm trying to, to find out where this was. Uh, 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 a dude had a couple of buddies over to watch the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, mm-hmm. And, oh, they were Tampa Bay Lightning fans. And they were screaming, shoot it, at the TV. Oh, yes. And uh-huh. the neighbors called the cops thinking that it was, yeah. like, uh, somebody with a gun. Like, it's funny. And it's also like, I can understand why you might oh, yeah, also I'm, in this day and age go, I'm, oh, maybe we ought to call somebody. I'm certainly not faulting anybody in this in this story, but can you imagine sitting there with your buddies just watching the game and all of a sudden the, shoot it! Shoot this it! Is, this is the police! Wait, are the cops here? <laughs> this is the police! Open up! What did we do? Shoot it! <laughs> what did we, you paid the pizza guy, right? Why are the cops here? <laughs> <laughs> and if, and when yeah. they figured out that everything was fine, everybody kind of had a laugh, and it was it was no big deal. But can you imagine, Bob? What did you do? Why are the cops oh, here? Seriously, did you steal the beer on the way over here? <laughs> you paid for that booze, right? <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. That is funny. Uh, anyway, uh, check out some playoff hockey if you want. Uh, I mean, I do you think Tampa Bay is going to close them out? I do. If you're asking me, yeah, I think it's uh, all but done for Dallas. Although that, like you were talking about, that overtime, that saved them a bit. That saved them, obviously, from elimination, but it took overtime to save them. They're playing and I think lot Tampa of, Bay is a lot better. They're playing Dallas, the North Stars? That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Okay, North. Yeah, a lot of hitting going on. Yeah, Mike Madonna's been great. It's been terrific. It's, uh, it uh, reminds me of my days playing hockey, a lot of hitting going on, and uh, that's the kind of hockey you want to see, so... Yeah, you're the the uh, the Broadway bullies back in your day of the 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 Broad Street bullies. Yeah, that's what yeah, I said. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> Dave the Hammer Schultz, look out, baby. Moose Dupont. Yeah, didn't and you Bertie work for Perron his family? Between the pipes. <laughs> yeah, those was, were good days. Was Moose his actual name? That's the only name I ever knew. <laughs> no why. I see. All right. Uh, well, Gordon, you uh, you enjoy your evening, my friend, and you and I will be back making it happen again tomorrow. We will. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, Jake. All right. Thank you, Gordo. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.